0: Ah, my Chicha here, Rudy Giuliani. So interesting because yesterday the Department of Justice through the U.S. Attorney's Office of the Southern District completely exonerated him from the charges that they originally hung over his head starting in April of 2021, just one month after the lockdown of the pandemic. The FBI bum-rushed his home on the Upper East Side. They went inside. They took everything. I mean, they took all of his technology. They took his laptop. They took his computer worktop. They took his iPhone. They took everything. They seized it with a warrant, and they said that he was illegally doing business in the Ukraine. He had not registered as a lobbyist to do such. And it really looked bad. Friends of Rudy Giuliani was saying, oh my god, he's toxic. He's going to be indicted by the very same office that he led years before, when he was the director of the U.S. Attorney of the Southern District, and ended up locking up more mobsters choking on their lobsters than any other U.S. attorney in the history of the Department of Justice, all five heads of organized crime. In addition to finally going after white-collar criminals for insider trading information, And for junk bonds, Ivan Boski and Michael Milken. So the guy basically put the U.S. attorney's map, put the U.S. attorney's office of the Southern District on the map. So to have it go completely 180 degrees, where it appeared they were going to prosecute Rudy Giuliani on the most serious of charges. And now we come to find out that 18 months before that, they had access to his iCloud before he was even aware of that by getting a warrant from somebody who claimed that he was committing criminal acts in the Ukraine. And then it took how many years thereafter? Let's see, uh, months and months and months and months. And just yesterday, the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District, on behalf of the Department of Justice, said there was absolutely no validity. They took it before a grand jury, and the grand jury said there was no information worth indicting Rudy Giuliani. Now, where does he go to get his honor? Where does he go to get his credibility restored? Well, I never lost my respect for Rudy Giuliani. They raided his apartment on April of 2021, and his friends and allies fled. In May of 2021, Rudy Giuliani endorsed me to win the Republican nomination of the city of New York against Fernando Mateo, who I crushed, who had the endorsement of Lieutenant General Flynn, who claimed that I was a never-Trumper, he was right, and that I was a rhino. Now, clearly, Rudy was as close as anybody could ever be to Donald Trump, but he said, no, I'm going to be endorsing Curtis Lee, where he would make the best mayor of the city of New York, and People who were close to me, involved in my campaign, said, stay away from Rudy, he's toxic, you don't need this. The guy will soon be indicted, he'll soon be going to Camp Fed. What happened to all those people now? Months and months after, Rudy was proving correct, and they say is the doubters were proving wrong. U.S. Attorney's Office and Department of Justice couldn't get an indictment because there was nothing there. And I stood strong with my Kumbari Cheech while others just swam away from the S.S. Rudy Giuliani. Now here all of a sudden we have Sylvester Stallone. Uh, uh, What the hell was her name again? Uh, Whatever the hell her name was in Rocky. For that, that thrust him into stardom. Because when he wrote the Rocky script, based on Chuck Webner, the Bayonne Bleeder, who just finally had a statue that was placed right on the shoreline of Bayonne, the gateway to the world, right where the old standard oil terminal was for Rockefeller. And now that's where all the cruise liners come in. Finally, Chuck Wepner got his due. But the Rocky, whole concept of Rocky was based on the Bayonne Bleeder, Chuck Webner. And it was Stallone who insisted that he play the part. They wanted to give him money to walk away and say, great script, but you're not playing the beach. No, I'm playing the part. And you know the rest of history. How many Rockies were there? Rocky 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, more, who knows? It became an entire career. Plus, he had other great movies. So now he's doing some cable flick called Tulsa in which he's a mob chieftain from organized crime in Tulsa. How low can you go? Come on, Stallone. Ha! <laughs> and he's claiming that at one time, Arnold Schwarzenegger, his buddy, I mean, here it is, right? Two buddies, like two pieces in a pot, a soup in a sandwich, a horse in a carriage, convinced him to do a lousy movie. Well, excuse me. Uh, that was not your worst movie. Your worst movie, Stallone, was Grudge Match. In 2013, your concept to get you in the ring with Robert De Niro, who appeared in what many think is the greatest movie of all time, Raging Bull, as Jake LaMotta. That's when he was in his prime, Robert De Niro. And then you obviously had a number of great movies in the Rocky series. So the idea you came up with was to put you in the ring with De Niro. And you'd slug it out. Grudge match, you called it. That had to be the worst freaking movie I've ever seen in my lifetime. it was worse than Travolta's impression of John Gotti Sr. That was rated the worst movie of all time. Yours, that movie was even worse. So here it is, you're promoting Tulsa. That's going to be a bomb. You're a don of organized crime. You go into Tulsa in the middle of Oklahoma where there are more oil wells than there are people. And suddenly we're to believe the credibility in this. Anyway, you're trying to maintain your career at the end of a career, and you've had a great career. But to suddenly suggest that Arnold Schwarzenegger convinced you to do a bomb of a movie, you've done a few bombs of a movie. Look at De Niro. For every one great movie, he's done a bomb. Look at Schwarzenegger, likewise. Hey, it is the business that you have chosen, Stallone. You're lucky on the cusp of being 80 years old, you're still making movies. Along with Schwarzenegger, still making movies. Along with De Niro, still making movies. Stop acting like a mamaloo complaining. You're going to bomb in Tulsa. You'll see. Ah, this is the anniversary of 1986 when Beastie Boys released their first album, License to Ear, which shot up to number one on the most popular record list. Top 40 with three bullets. No rapper before that had ever achieved top 40 status. So right away, a lot of the African-American rappers were grumbling and mumbling and claiming, oh, that's because they're white, that's because they're Jewish, that's because they went to NYU and they graduated violets, and that's where Russell Simmons went, who created Def Jams with that other Looney Kazuni from Parts Unknown. It was all an NYU violets thing, right? <laughs> well, yesterday... Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, was celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip-hop and City Hall and embracing all these old-time rappers and claiming, you know, this is sort of like a midlife crisis for Eric Adams, that he grew up with rap. But I noticed he didn't have anybody from the Beastie Boys. Now, one of them has passed away. I think the other two are alive. And let's look how tortured it's been for the Beastie Boys. Biggie Smalls died, and right away, they put up a mural in Bed-Stuy, do or die. They put it up in six days. They got got the uh, sign-off by the city council. Six months it took for Wu-Tang Clan to get a plaza named after them at Target Street, right outside of the Stapleton Housing Project, Park Hill, where they grew up, North Shore, Staten Island. Took them six months. It took the Beastie Boys Seven years, seven years for the city council to put a plaque on Rivington Street in the Lower East Side, not far from where they went to school, the NYU, and became violets, and then met Russell Simmons, was head of Def Jam, and you know the rest of the story. So why why these three white boys, these three Jewish guys who grew up davening, reading Torah, reading Talmud, got besmirched because they had the first rap rap album that actually went number one, second and none, top 40, with three bullets. I have a feeling it's because, A, they were white, B, they were Jewish, and three, it was thought their complexion was their protection. No, 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 no. The fans loved their rap. They bought their music. So on the 50th anniversary of hip hop, got to give props, license to ill, Beastie Boys. And when you pass Rivington Street in the Lower East Side, when you shop till you drop, you'll see a little plaque. It took our city council seven, count them, seven years to allow that tribute to License to Ill, the Beastie Boys. Huh. I will never forget. But the rest of you will. Just like Eric Adams, Swagger Man with No Plan. I, I looked in the crowd. I saw Grandmaster Flash, some of the Furious Five, I saw Run-D.M.C., the surviving members, but I did not see anybody there at City Hall yesterday who was a surviving member of Beastie Boys. That is a shanda. Oh, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. And you don't know what to do about the Rock and Rikers Island and the Correctional Department of the city of New York. You claim you were going to do something when you got elected mayor. You haven't advocated not an extra penny to hire badly needed correctional officers. They need a minimum of 3000 You got 7,500 inmates on the rock, and the gangs control the tears. Now, what would you know about tears? Because according to you, your only experience was as a Juvian in Spotford for like a day or two in the South Bronx when it was open. Uh, oh, your mom, you were crying to your mama. You were Mama Luke. She came and picked you up. If, in fact, that's a true story, I doubt it. I really doubt it, Eric. I've been locked up on Rikers Island many times, and people know that. In the dorms, solitary confinement, the bing, in a cell, in general population, in punk city, protective custody. I've been in and out of The Rock over the years. It was best run when Rudy Giuliani was mayor, and Bernie Kerrick was his commissioner of corrections. And that's where they had close to 20,000 inmates, or as Kathy Crimewave Wave call has redefined them, incarcerated persons. How stupid is that? But anyway, they had about 20,000. So they had them on the rock. They had them in the tombs, which was later a name, Bernie Kerrick Correctional Facility. And then when he went to jail, they took the name down. Bronx House of Detention, although they were closing it then. Queens House of Detention, they were closing it then. Brooklyn House of Detention and the barge. But Bernie Kerik had 20,000 inmates and we didn't have anywhere near the problems that we have now. Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. You put a guy named Molina in charge. And he couldn't be more hopelessly incompetent. You only have 7,500 inmates almost every week. Somebody is hanging themselves in a tier. Somebody is getting drugs and overdosing. Now, there's only three ways they could get drugs. A number one, on a visit from a friend, a relative, a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is, and they're lip-locking, and then they get the drugs in their mouth. Or vis-a-vis through mail, although they'd have to be pretty, pretty damn good to be able to hide it in the mail, because the mail gets sniffed by the dogs before it's brought up to the various tiers and distributed to the inmates, a.k.a. the incarcerated persons. All the correctional officers are bringing it in. Ding, <laughs> yes, door number three. The correctional officers are bringing it in, and they're getting paid mad money to keep that cycle going. Because a lot of the C.O.s, correctional officers, the screws, come from the same neighborhoods as the inmates, whether in Brooklyn, the Bronx, Queens, Manhattan, and so they know they know one another. In fact, the pipeline exists. But, Eric Adams, you're upset now because the feds say they want to come in and take over the jail system, a.k.a. Rikers Island, because it's a hot mess. The gangs run the jails. You go to different tiers. On one tier, it's MS-13 from Central America. Another tier, 18th Street from Mexico. Another tier, it's Trinitarios from the Dominican Republic. Or Latin Kings or Nietes from Puerto Rico. Or Bloods or Quips. They run the jails. The correctional officers don't even go on the tier. And you're claiming, hey, feds, keep your nose out of this. We'll run our jails. I remember in 2013, you didn't mind having the feds come in when stop and frisk was being done by the NYPD at record levels. You testified in a federal court with Judge Shearer Shindon, and you said the feds needed to come in and oversee the police department. And they do to this day. And you don't have a problem with that? You recently praised them through your missing in action police commissioner Seawell. Sewell. So you can't have it both ways. Yeah, we love the feds when they do it our way. We hate the feds when they do it better than us. So stop complaining, moaning and groaning. Stop going to parties late at night till the break of dawn at Club Zero Bond and do your freaking job. And if you're doing your job, the feds aren't going to interfere with you. Except it's nice to ask for money from the feds when you, when you need their help, right? You want their money. You just don't want them looking over your back. <laughs> Tough noogies, Eric.